0: Today's episode of Speak LA, the podcast is sponsored by Actors Connection.
1: Before we begin, one of the things we most often hear from our listeners is that it is hard to find an agent. If this is something that you are trying to do right now, go to ispeakla.com and download our free agent guide today. There's absolutely no shame in not having an agent, but we really want to help you get one. So go to ispeakla.com and grab your free agent guide now. Hi Kim Kim. <laughs> Hi Jen Jen.
0: Hi. We are going to New York today. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Interviewing Stephanie Clapper, casting director Cannot wait. I'm so excited.
1: I am too. She's amazing, yeah,
0: she's amazing. I mean, i'm I'm just really looking well, I'm looking forward to interviewing somebody who has not only cast Broadway shows that have won Tony's. Thank you very much. but um, <laughs> as you know, she also casts a lot of Broadway uh, off-Broadway and regional theater, which is amazing and will be so great to hear about. yeah.
1: I, i'm I'm excited to hear that. and and also just yeah. the fact that she's based in New York. That's a. That's a new one for us, which is exciting. Right. And here's another amazing yeah. thing about Stephanie. She's kind. Yeah. She's so I know. kind. She's so I know. Actors love so, her. Love her. She's just so sympathetic to the audition process. So I know she's going to have some great, great insight into how that works for actors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, looking forward. Hey, tell me about you while we wait. Oh. What have you been doing? Give me, give me like an LA
1: story. <laughs> an LA story. I got. A, I have a really good yeah. one for you, actually. Um, oh, good. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, recently, I decided to purchase some roller <laughs> skates.
0: You did. I did
1: roller skates and i just would like
0: not roller blades
1: no. roller skates absolutely because on the cool factor i like to remain in like right. the like the high cool area Oh, sure.
0: I mean, when I think of you, that's what I think.
1: Think, Thank you. I believe you say that too. My (laughs) students would call me a vibin. That's what I learned recently. Uh Uh Um, Just wanted to throw that out there for another cool (laughs) factor. But question for you. What color do you think I got in terms of my
0: Uh, roller skates? What color roller skates? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me see. Let me see. I'm gonna go with sparkly
1: fuchsia. Fuchsia. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you are so close. You know me so well. Yes, sparkly pink. Sparkly pink. Uh-huh. Not quite fuchsia. They're more like a bubble gum. And uh-huh. I definitely heard someone before me, they were presented to her and she said, nope, not my style. And I said, bring them on. I will I will wear those sparkly pink roller skates. <laughs> and I got a fuchsia helmet and powder pink pads, like knee pads, shoulder, not shoulder, um, elbow <laughs> and wrist guards. And I wear them all hmm. as I meander down the boardwalk. Um, it's very embarrassing. Mm -hmm. It's very embarrassing. I've ate it a few times, like quite a few times. Mm -hmm. And I just, (laughs) I just want to tell you this one incredibly embarrassing story because I think it'll make you laugh and probably our listeners too. There's this one gate, like a a fence, a white fence that I have to run into Mm -hmm. before I walk Mm -hmm. down some stairs very awkwardly. And there was this couple that was, they, they were having a conversation, you know, those couple conversations that are a little intense. You're like, I don't want
0: to, they were in a
1: fight. In a fight. I didn't want to interrupt uh-huh. them, <laughs> but I couldn't, I couldn't like make my way down this path without running into this mm-hmm. gate. So I just started to go before I said anything. And I was heading right towards them and they looked up and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm so sorry. I can't stop. <laughs> and they were like, Oh, it's okay. Like, just, just ignore me. Just ignore me. Just move. I, I'll be okay. They're like, "Are you all right?" I'm fine. Just, I, I don't want to interrupt. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. I mean, you know, those serious faces, the fighting faces, right? So I then had to walk down the stairs with them watching me, asking me if if I was okay, and and I said, "I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just keep." Just keep fighting. I'm <laughs> sorry to interrupt. They
0: were not feeling your sparkly pink roller skates no, at that moment. but I might,
1: have, I might have saved the conversation. And who knows? Maybe 20 years from now, they'll talk about that strange girl that almost ran into them wearing pink roller You know what?
0: Let's just say you did.
1: I like that. Let's just say, okay.
0: <laughs>
1: How long have you lived in New York?
0: My entire life. What is your favorite part of New York to live in? Grange Village.
1: Growing up, did you have family members who worked in the entertainment business?
0: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first job in New York, in the industry or otherwise? I worked as an assistant to the producers of a Broadway musical. Wow.
1: On a scale of one to 10, how hard of a city do you think New York is to live in?
0: Seven. Seven. And on a scale of one to 10, how expensive do you think New York is to live in? Somewhere between an eight and an
2: 11.
1: (laughs) If you had to sum up New York in one word, what would that word be?
2: Um, Unstoppable.
1: Oh, Oh.
0: perfect word.
1: I I love love it. It's totally unstoppable. Welcome. We're so excited to have you on the podcast today.
2: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you. It's an absolute joy.
1: It's great to talk to a New Yorker. I know. I feel like I'm entering foreign territory because I know nothing about New York. So this is going to be really fun for me. (laughs) Um, So, Stephanie, we'd love to start with like our first question, which was, which is, what are the steps that you went through to become a casting director? Like, how did you start?
2: Oh, boy. For me, it was an accidental career. And I didn't really plan to even be in the business. I thought I would be a professional musician. uh, But that took a different turn when I was applying to colleges. And I ended up applying to film school on a whim at the suggestion of somebody I had as my boss in an after school job when I was in high school. And I applied to film school and I got into a conservatory and started making movies, having never made a movie before, and realized that I really, really loved working with actors and combining all of my interests. But I didn't love making movies. It just took too much time and there were too many people involved. And um, I loved the immediacy of working with an actor and um, creating something. And that led to me um, getting more involved in theatrical directing and drama studies And um, that led to internships at the New York Public um, Theater, the uh, Joe Paps Theater. And that led to me walking into a small theater in Grange Village called the 13th Street Playhouse and saying, I know nothing I'd love to learn. And the artistic director saying, we need a stage manager. And I said, great. She goes, go upstairs and start now. So, and then by the time I got out of college, I, I really felt that theatrical directing was the area I wanted to explore. And after I graduated, I went to uh, Europe and jumped around to different festivals, and um, that led me to working for the producers of Nine, the musical, because of one of my summer of my sorry Christmas break jobs. Of my senior year, was a page turner for the pianist who was playing the workshop of Nine, and that came about because of my flute flute teacher at the time, and working for the producers led to me doing directing at night and working for them by day and in the building we were in at 1501 broadway in times square i'd meet lots of people in the hallways in the elevator and one of them was a wonderful man named leonard finger who was a casting person and we continued our friendship for many years and after i my job with the producers ended i continued directing, but did some work in a theatrical advertising company, doing some stage managing, production managing, assisting people in all different areas. And a director said, um, who I ran into in my parents' building one night, um, there's a small theater and they need a casting person, you should check it out. And I went on the interview and the artistic director said, you know nothing. And I told him that he was wrong. I knew plenty. (laughs) And he threw a script at me, said fine. And he went on vacation. And that was my first casting job. But it was really from the intention of being a director, wanting to learn about actors. And after doing this for a few years, uh, on top of other jobs I was doing in my own directing, I realized I really loved casting and called up my friend Leonard Finger and said, I'd love to learn more about this formally because I'm sort of figuring this out as I go along. And I ended up being his associate and working together as I built my own business. So those were my steps, but those aren't necessarily the traditional steps. Now, I think people have it as a more um, deliberate career choice. For me, it was truly, as I said, the accidental career at that point. And I think there's now more of an internship step and then an assistant step and an associate step and goes from there. So things are a little more formal than when I started.
1: You know, something that I love that you said that I think a lot of actors listening will breathe a huge sigh of relief <laughs> is hearing about your how, how you came from that direct director's perspective. Like that was something that was an entrance upon becoming a casting director because I think something that so many actors struggle with is the audition process with the casting director in the room, you know, just that, that there's this sort of, we look at casting directors and we get really nervous about what it is we're supposed to be doing or how do we approach the audition or how do we do. And to think of it as more sort of like, wow, this person is coming from a director's place as well of knowing how to talk to actors. What a sigh of, of relief you know?
2: <laughs> well, and I think so many of us are truly advocates for the actor and we're empaths and we really want to be there to help them do the best work they can do. And I I truly do think we're the great facilitators to make it all come together.
1: Yeah, that step. I also just love the fact that your, the, how you got there was an openness to try different things within the industry. Um, and I hear a lot of actors, a lot of actors feel that way where they're like, you know, I, I really love doing this, but I also love doing this. Is it okay that I transition into this next part of my life or my career? Or, you know, in my, in my 20s, for example, I loved acting, but now I'm, I'm sort of interested in something different. <laughs> so it's nice to hear that as well. I, I
0: also I, go. Go ahead. No, you
2: go. I you go. Say, what we do is is truly evolving, and I think that's what makes us sort of special in our our paths. Is that if we stay stagnant, we don't have as much to offer.
0: Mm, right. Absolutely. Um, I love the I love the p- part of your story that the the humility of walking into a theater and saying I don't know anything you know put me in coach i love that um because i think also camille speaking a little bit to your point of you know actors being a little afraid of casting directors um i think actors also we we feel like we're supposed to know everything you know and i guess that's probably true of every field um and i think it's so human and so relatable when a person it's so refreshing when a person says I don't really know much. Can you, can you help me? Can you teach me? And, um, you know, that, that humility led you, I think, to now a very successful career, which I think is so great. Um, Stephanie, you, you've casted a lot of theater, um, of course, living in New York, (laughs) that would, that would be the natural thing, I think, but, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on regional theater
2: oh i love regional theater i think that's where um the development of so many great projects really happens and i think that um gives actors of all levels wonderful chances to explore things they may not get to explore in the commercial theater in new york for example um and i also think it's a great um place it's great discovery for actors but also playwrights and directors Mm -hmm. and um the regional theaters give people a lot of opportunities to develop their craft. And I also think it's it's wonderful for established people to have that chance to work out of town, too, and really get down to the meat of the work and not worry about reviewers and perceptions in that way and just do what they love to do.
1: How do you get, as, a, as an actor who wants to be doing more regional theater, um, can you just speak to sort of some steps that they could take in order to begin? Because regional theater is hard to get into as well. It's, it's not an easy place to necessarily get a job. So what are some, what's some advice that you would give for an actor who really wants to be doing more regional theater?
2: Uh, I think that it, it's really great for actors to get on the mailing list or, or just go online to see what, what theaters are producing, what's the kind of work they're doing. And if um, they're doing new development work to see if there's a way they could get involved in that. So they could reach out. Usually it's to the artistic associate or if there's a casting person involved to reach out that way, too. And, and say that they're interested in doing it and why. Um, I just think that um, I know I love when people are interested in regional theater and, and let me know. So and why why they're interested.
0: Oh, so when that. you say on the waiting list, you mean the waiting at, at the theater or what? what
2: where... No, the mailing list. I'm no, sorry. sorry, the
0: mailing list. But no, you said that I, I spoke. Yeah, the The mailing list.
2: Because sometimes they'll send out their seasonal announcements before it goes online. And it's just good for them to know what's going on. So, this way, they're learning about the seasons ahead of time. And uh, that's why it's good to keep watch on on the websites they're most interested in or the theaters they're most interested in, just so they're constantly being updated on what's going on. And these could be emailable lists as well as, as literal Snail Mail lists.
1: Wow, that's a great idea. I've never, I've never thought of that before. That's, that's really wonderful advice. (laughs) Um, Things I wish I had known earlier. (laughs) put that in the list of categories of things I wish I had known. Um, Yeah, there's a lot. (laughs) uh, I'd love to talk a little bit about the pressure actors feel in their career about age. Um, Just sort of, and I, I, I have actually a two part question to this. Like, you know, the the I think the span of of how your career develops in l a and New York, it's a little bit of a longer time frame than in other cities because there's a lot of people and there's a lot of competition. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of what that that trajectory looks like and how um how actors can continue to be positive in that career span. And, and things that they can do in terms of mindset to kind of keep keep going as they're building their careers in in a place like New York. And then I have a second question, but I'll I'll, I'll wait till you answer that <laughs> I have a
2: big question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that Just, I know, right?
2: <laughs> I think that um, I'm a big believer in slow and steady wins the race, and I really think that an actor's career, if they're in it, hopefully they have a nice long happy, productive career ahead of them. And there'll be parts when it's very active, their career, and times when it won't be as active. And I think that's what you're also talking about is how do we, how does one keep themselves going and positive? And I think sometimes people, let's say they're in training programs and they get out of school and they hit the ground running and then it stops. And, and they've had tremendous success and then they don't. I think that's a case where, um, being in class is is good because i think just as one would go to the gym to keep themselves in shape i think going to class and finding a community that way is very important i also think um developing work is good on one's own self self self-generating work whether it gets produced or not i think once again it's about just being active and productive and keeping everything going i also think um I just think that reaching out sometimes is great too. If it goes back to a regional conversation. If you hear that somebody's doing something that interests you, if you don't put yourself out there, then you're not in the game. Right. So whether you're represented or not represented, I think there's nothing wrong with inquiring about, about the state of where things are in the development or the casting of a project.
0: I love that. I, I love, I love the idea of, of not being afraid to reach out, not being afraid to ask. I think that's something actors are often so afraid of. I know I certainly have been <laughs> throughout my career. Um, I'd love to just kind of piggyback on Camille's question and say, you know, how how real in the industry do you think ageism is? Actors talk, you hear a lot in actor conversations about, you know, if you're in your 30s or 40s or even late 20s, like, well, I'm, I'm up against you know, actors of the same age that have much bigger credits. So what hope do I have of ever getting a job? Is that a real thing? Or do you think casting directors, do you think that's something actors put on themselves more than casting directors and producers are thinking along those lines? I take a
2: big side because I think it's probably a, it's a combination of both. I think Mm -hmm. indicative, one of the problems indicative of what we do is that we stand in our own way and we're our harshest critics And we create reasons to not let not have things happen. So Mm -hmm. because it's so easy to be disappointed, and and just just made to feel less than our work is is valued. Um, So I do think it's there. I do think it's so competitive on the other. on the other hand, I feel like when you're needed, and when the qualities you have or what's needed, it's you, that's the person we need. Mm -hmm. So we could say it's ageism, we could say there are too many people doing doing the work, but but really when it gets down to the fine points of it, there aren't that many people who are right for what it is we're looking for, truly. So um, I think there's the reality side of it in terms of just, yeah, there's ageism, except when you're looking for somebody of that age and, and those talents, then there's not. So I think that it's really just to keep keep going with the integrity of the work and, and what you want to do. And I guess there comes a point where somebody has to say, this is still worth it or it's not worth it. It's still giving me pleasure and joy and I still love it, or it's just too hard and I could be making a living another way. And I have the opportunity to do that and I'll still keep it in my life, but not as a profession. And that's okay. I, you know, there's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah. I, right. I, I'm glad you said that. Cause I do think there's different stages of, just a, just human growth in general you know different spans of your life where you're looking for different things and it's okay that you might decide to to have acting in your life in a different kind of a way if that's what you so choose and there's no shame in that and i think sometimes people feel a lot of shame, and and all of a sudden being like, oh my gosh, I just discovered, and it, it's kind of what we talked about, what what like your journey really is like. Oh, I'm discovering that I'm really enjoying this other facet <laughs> of this world. Um, I'd love to know if it, this is kind of a very direct question about ageism, <laughs> but um,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. if,
1: would you say to someone who hasn't made it at a certain age that it would be unlikely that they ever will? Because I think a lot of actors feel that way. I haven't made it, so I'm never going to make it. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I think
2: making it is such, an, such a strange term, isn't it? Because mm-hmm.
1: what one
2: person thinks is making it won't be good enough the next week. So it's like, yes, I'm in my, I've done a feature film with Steven Spielberg. Now I've made it, but I've only done one film with Steven Spielberg. So what comes next? And is that does that lessen that any, or does it make it that you've made it more so? I think that, making it is such a difficult way to think because it gets us all in trouble because mm. I, I think that there are certain milestones that the industry sees and those are they sort of made it but of the moment because Netflix was what it was a film rental company at one point and now Netflix is you know huge right so so everybody wants to get on a Netflix show now but who knows what the next thing is going to be and the next flicks is going to be sort of the thing that's come and gone. So I guess I think make the idea of making it is, is one that people have to keep in perspective to a, going back to what we were saying about a larger career journey and what that means. To me, making it means you can pay your bills, you love the work you're doing, and you feel that you're being creative and productive. Um, so so that's what it means to me. Um, I think that people have all sorts of journeys. There's an actress I absolutely love named Jane Howdy Shell who has since done a lot of movies and a lot of TV shows. But she started out in regional theater and was in, I think, probably her mid-40s. And she was seen in New York in a play called Well that had been brought into New York. And suddenly she, she was all over the place. And she was somebody who was truly a journeywoman actress who I was just reading about her recently, went from theater to theater to theater doing work and just
0: just hit it right at the right time. I love stories like that. They're always so great. Um, I also love, I, I really love th- what you said about, um, you know, that it doesn't have to be the, the vision as an actor that you originally had for yourself, whether that's, I'm going to be a movie star. I mean, that would be sort of a silly goal anyway, but you know, <laughs> that, <laughs> that, um, that, that, you know, being a working actor is the end all be all. And, you know, we've all heard these analogies, but, you know, like a, a painter, an artist, you know, who's a painter, you can, you know, you could go into somebody's house and see all their paintings and say, oh, they're an amazing artist. But, but you don't go up to them and say, you know, have you made any money on your art lately? And then decide whether or not they're legitimate. Based on that, you just say, oh, they're this amazing artist, you know, and it is, it's a funny thing with acting that we don't sort of allow that same freedom to, to do it in a different kind of way.
2: That's such a great analogy too. I mean, mm-hmm. I just I'm thinking, would I ever go up to an artist and go, so what museum are you in?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I just couldn't you know, you know,
2: you know, Or do you get a lot of actors in a, in a room at a party, you know, all trying to one up each other with where who you're yeah. I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> what museum are you in? I love that. Have I seen you in any museums? <laughs> I love
2: that. It's like a New Yorker cartoon. Sure.
0: Yes, perfect. Oh, that's so funny. Um Speaking of New York, I would love to, you know, one of the huge conversations um, when I was in the acting school um, was always, you know, New York versus L.A. And of course, there's now, you know, Atlanta and Chicago and, and other markets that are that are also really um, bona fide. But I, I think it always, you know, the, the big question always comes down to New York versus L.A. And um, I would just love to hear. I mean, you've, you've obviously spent most of your time in in New York City and I'm sure. Um, love New York. I'd love to hear sort of your thoughts about the two cities and sort of how they compare for actors.
2: Well, I'm very much a social person and I love that I can walk down the street in New York most days and I'll always run into somebody and Mm -hmm. that always generates some sort of conversation. And it's frequently people who don't do what we do, but A lot of times it's also people that we, you know, do, do work in this profession. And I love the idea that opportunities truly just happen through conversation and, or that I could just be inspired by, by something while I'm taking a walk. And I know that LA is a lot of, you know, it's a lot about traffic. It's a lot about how you time things. It's a lot about, do I want to visit this person in a very different place than I live because it'll take me so long? Because if I don't time it right in the time of day, I'm not going to get there. And appointments in LA are always about, so where can I park? Yeah. In New York, it's about, you could rent a city bus, a city bike, I'm sorry. You could hop on a bike and get to your next appointment pretty quickly if you don't want to take the subway or a bus or walk. So I feel like there's uh, there's things about mobility that are different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that LA is certainly larger in many ways in terms of getting around and the casting community is a lot larger. In New York it's sort of a more, uh, a more intimate group of casting people who do many things where in LA you know, you sort of have your area and you do that your thing. In New York as casting people we're all very good at doing many different things and knowing many different communities, as do our LA counterparts. Um, but I, I feel that as an actor, it must be very difficult because you could feel very isolated, and and finding a community in Los Angeles, if you're if you don't know the city well, could be could be difficult. And I think one of the things that I appreciate about New York is, it seems to me that it's easier to find your people here and your community. Mm. And, um, so so those are. That's it. That's what I think. I also think there's so much production going on, as you said, Jen, all over the place now. So it's mm-hmm. no longer just New York or just LA, but, and especially at this time where things are just so crazy, pandemic-wise, mm-hmm. things are happening wherever they're able to happen.
1: Yeah. I I think it's, I, I, I think, and I don't know New York well, the way that both of you guys know New York, um, but I feel like New York really speaks to the actor's soul in a way that LA, I I think you have to find that a little bit more in LA. You have to carve out moments to refill your soul in LA, I feel like you have to find that the hikes to go on to breathe a bit. You have to go to the beach to like <laughs> reconnect mm-hmm. and remind yourself who you are. But New York seems to me, cause it's such, I, 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 and I, you know, it, it's not ever this, obviously many actors have different things that they love about acting, but I think so many of us love the storytelling aspect of theater and live theater, you know, in whatever way it is, musicals, whatever it is dance, whatever. And I think New York really offers that to the actor in a different way than LA does.
2: Yeah. And it used to be, I mean, who knows what theater will be like when it comes back, but, but there used to be a way you could just sort of hop in for the second act of a show or yeah. just, or just get mm. a ticket without paying, you know, a gajillion dollars. And I think that's, that's fun too.
1: Yeah. What I'd love to hear, um, because I'm sure you have many, many ideas on this, but what is a great day job for an actor to have?
2: Um, I actually reached out to some young actor friends of mine because I wanted to ask them that very question, too. Um, One is a nanny and seems to like Mm. naming. And and they're fortunate that the family they work for allows flexibility if they have auditions and such. So I think if you like kids, that's a good idea. Catering businesses is pretty good, too, because it also leads to some flexibility. Um, Personal assistant is another thing. Um, I'm not so sure about paralegal. Some of my actor friends like being paralegal. So this is some of the day jobs I would suggest. And some of those jobs can also be done overnight. And proofreading. I have another actor friend who does proofreading who trained for that and really likes that and has found some flexibility
0: in that, too. So I noticed with all, all of the ones you said, you use the word flexibility. So that's that's really I think the name of the game, I guess. I, right. So yeah. I'm not
2: soul sucking. I think I think that you yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, the actor
2: really needs to find a job that that supports them financially and doesn't take away from who they are and and drain them in that way.
1: Yeah, it just occurred to me because I think a lot of actors that in the profession we often define you know, ourselves by the success that we're, we have like kind of what, like we talked about. And that's something that a lot of actors need to work. Like we all need to work on, I think as humans, but in our profession, which is so much about who you are and what you're bringing to the table, it can feel so much more personal. And I, I was thinking as you were talking, you also have to with your day job with everything you're doing i think as an actor like what a great lesson and not allowing anything to define who you are as a person it's it's not reflective of anything except you know like what you're doing in order to build your career and that's not reflective of who you are either or your self worth
2: yeah. yeah i think that's so important and I, I have to say my parents were always great about that when i was starting out my dad used to remind me that that it's not a competition it's, it's really, it's going to happen when it's going to happen. And I think we do fall into those patterns of comparing ourselves with others and, and being impatient and, and, you know, wanting to make it so desperately. And I think that that's, it's interesting. I don't, I don't know. I, I just think that's an occupational hazard that we all have to be mindful of.
0: When I lived in New York many years ago, <laughs> um, I, I lived in New York before I lived in L.A., And um, I found and I'm curious if if you think it still is this way, Stephanie, that um, there was really no shame in day jobs, because I think what Camille's talking about it, you know, in terms of defining yourself in L.A., there's a little bit of this thing of like, um, you know, that I think actors put on themselves. I did. It's like a more image focused thing, you know, like, so if I'm working in a restaurant or I'm working as a nanny or I'm whatever, um, I'm not a real actor. And at least for me, and again, this might have just been my perception of things, but um, you know, in New York, I worked in restaurants with people that were, you know, in between Broadway shows and there was kind of no shame in it. Everybody was just sort of like, well, I'm making a little money before I, is New York still that way? Would you say where?
2: I don't think any of us hold it ever against anyone that they have to, I mean, we don't make enough money to. Yeah, <laughs> so many actors you know they it's just they have to have a day job or some yeah. sort of support and then if they strike it great but, but yeah it's understood that's just that's just part of life and even scheduling auditions will sometimes revolve around you know actor such and such has has their job until four
0: o'clock could you see them after four yeah i love that that's really
1: cool that's nice um, to hear <laughs> it is
0: nice to hear we are getting a little close to the time, but I would love to just quickly, before we end, just ask you about headshots and what what you look for in a headshot. Like, what's a great headshot to you? What qualities does a headshot have?
2: So it sounds really silly, but a headshot yeah. that actually looks like the actor who's coming in
0: <laughs> is really
2: weird. Really and, and that doesn't always happen. Mm. Um, I love a headshot that has eyes that are alive and mm. vibrant, because I think sometimes people think by... Having their eyes sort of look almost deadened, that's sort of a a statement, but I I don't respond to that very well. Um, And I think a headshot that really conveys personality, that that I get a sense into who that person is, is is ideal.
0: So that's what I look for. I, I love that answer so much because I feel like, again, this was something that I know I did and I think actors do we, we look for sort of the prettiest version of ourselves, you know, and I love that you didn't use, you know, you didn't go to the words of like attractive or it's all like, you know, that the eyes are alive and that there's personality and um, that that's, that that's really when an actor's choosing a headshot for him or herself, that's what we should be, you know, looking for ourselves. Not the best, not the best, you know, the sort of most, uh, I don't know, you know, pretty for lack of a better word version. Well we can give that to our families. Yeah. Like that one. <laughs> I,
1: know. I, was just gonna, <laughs> I was just gonna say, but I wanna send you the pretty one. <laughs> <You just laughs> but wait a <laughs> no. Not.
0: I know it's hard not to pick that one. You know, you see that that ah. picture that that you think is uh, the one that makes you look the best. Um, this has been so amazing. Thank you oh. for being with us. We always like to end by um, Asking for, um, well, typically we're in LA, so we ask for an LAism. <laughs> but today we're going to do a New Yorkism, ism um, which is a word that we totally made up, um, which is just <laughs> something that you uh, have found to be unique about New York. Oh, I love
2: the cloisters in Upper Manhattan, where there are the unicorn tapestries, and it's an old monastery oh. that the Rockefeller uh, family brought over from Europe I, in the 1900s, I believe it's part of the Metropolitan Museum of Art, but it's it's quite magical. It's it's really a spot that one feels transformed, and there's a beautiful garden in there that they call the Shakespeare Garden, and it's just a great place to feel some, um, uh, just to have some quiet time and and be able to meditate or just just be reminded of of what's out there. And if you go to just the right spot, you could also see the Hudson River and. And I just love visiting the unicorns up there.
0: Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Thank you. Yes, thank you. What a job. Thank you. This has been amazing. We really appreciate you being with us. Thanks so much for listening to Speak LA, the podcast. We want to be able to bring you more episodes like this one, but we can only do that with your support. So please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to Speak LA, the podcast.
1: For more information on Speak LA, go to ispeakla.com. That's ispeakla.com.
0: This episode of Speak LA, the podcast was sponsored by Actors Connection. Actors Connection offers low-cost online programs for actors, along with a variety of awesome free resources. Check them out now at actorsconnection.com.
1: Our sound engineer is the very talented Dan Leonard of homevoiceoverstudio.com. My name is Camille thornton Olson,
0: And I'm Jen Jostin, and we are the founders of Speak LA. Find us at ispeakla.com. See you next time.